ML Nation, episode 387. Life is love and life is relationships. And if you don't nurture your relationships, then it's not a life worth living. If you want to be successful, you just have to copy what MLM leaders do. Welcome to MLM Nation, presented by your host, Simon Chan. Where you'll learn strategies, secrets, and inspiring stories from today's top MLM income earners. Hey, MLM Nation, Simon Chan. People call me the Oprah of MLM. Today, I got a great show with you. From Jesse McPherson. Hey, Jesse, are you ready to make it happen? <laughs> we are absolutely, brother. Very ready. Thank you so much for having me on today. Hey, Jesse got started in network marketing 19 years old. And by 23, he had his first six-figure a year. Now, he's, he's been with the same company for over six years. He's a multiple six-figure earner and has an organization over 88,000 88, customers and distributors. So, Jesse, I've given ML Nation just a brief intro, but please share more about your background and how you got started in network marketing at 19. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I'm originally a California kid. I make my home in Arizona now, but uh, I was born near the Bay. I uh, ended up growing up in the sticks in Northern California, up in the mountains, middle, literally middle of nowhere, 30 minutes to a gas station, 45 minutes to a grocery store. And uh, interestingly enough, my mom would drive about an hour and a half one way to Sacramento to go take dance classes because it was something she was really passionate about. And uh, I kind of fell in love with dance at an early age with hip hop and started in a, a hip hop dance company and started traveling. And, and then I kept making my way south uh, to high school in Central California and then down to L.A. when I was 17 to actually pursue a background in hip hop. And I was, uh, you know, teaching, uh, you know, choreography. I got an agent, started doing videos, and uh, but I loved touring and I loved teaching. So I moved to L.A. to be a professional hip hop dancer and got a chance to, uh, you know, visit a lot of countries around the world. And and it was at that time where I was a, a, a broke, starving artist, just looking for a way to make a little bit of extra. I had a woman in my dance class uh, hand me a cassette tape. I know it's been a minute since you've probably seen one of those, but. Uh, I listened to it, and that was my first introduction to the world of network marketing. And you know, since then, I've pretty much been hooked. So, once you, when you found out at nineteen, did you join right away, or were you, were you a little skeptical? You waited. What happened? No, no, I was one of those guys. Like you could have recruited me with a fishing pole. I mean, like it literally didn't matter. I was open. I was looking. I was hungry. I was excited. If there was the potential of financial freedom or even just extra income, because you know, at that time, I was looking for a way to be able to supplement my teaching schedule because I was teaching a lot of classes that I actually didn't really enjoy. I was just doing it because I needed the money. And between full time school and work, I didn't have time for a part time. And quite frankly, I, I really realized early on in life I love working with people, just not for them. Like I have a hard time being told what to do. So people say I'm unemployable and I'm just probably right. Uh, so, you know, when I got introduced to it, I listened to this cassette tape and, you know, I don't remember much about it, but I heard people doing really well and this concept of residual income and, and the dance world called it royalty. So I got really excited about the potential and I signed up, although it was not – it was an interesting start, I guess you could say. Maybe that uh, we'll go over that. But uh, finally coming out to one of the events and seeing what was available and possible and getting plugged into company events and program systems and personal development, you know, that's really what changed my life at 19. So let's talk about start, when you, that interesting start. So you got started. Yeah. How did the first couple of weeks or months go? <laughs> so I joined and I did what most people do. I made a list of uh, my four sures. 
And, uh, and it was a mental list in my head. And because it made so much sense to me, I was so confused why, because I was like, I, like, I get it. Like, okay, you get the people and you build an organization, you build a customer base and you can earn a passive leveraged income. And, and I was like, why doesn't, why doesn't everybody do this? Maybe I was a little naive at that time being so young, but it was my first introduction, never seen anything in network marketing. And so I made a list. I called my two for sures and <laughs> they both said no. So I got pissed and I threw my kit under my futon uh, that I was uh, crashing on. And I, I, I didn't make any money my first month, actually my second, third or fourth month. And I, uh, my first enrollment was in my fifth month after I enrolled. And quite frankly, those first four months, I didn't even want to keep doing the business. I wanted to cancel, but I had too much pride to tell my sponsor that I wanted out. And they kept charging me the, you know, the monthly services. And I, uh, <laughs> I didn't even know the number to call to cancel. And she kept promoting this event. You got to come to this event, got to come to this event, got to come to this event. And I remember dodging her calls. And finally, it was like, all right, I'll come if you leave me alone. And uh, it was the last weekend of August, 2002. I went to an event at the Long Beach Convention Center. And there was well over a thousand people there. And uh, I sat in the back, arms crossed, you know, legs crossed, eyes crossed. And the gentleman that was training that day, you know, was talking about a lot of things, what not to do. And it resonated with me because I was like, that's, yeah, I was doing those things. Don't, don't do those things. And, and then what ended up happening, I was like, what if he's right on what not to do? Maybe he's right on what to do. And that's when I finally became coachable, got around the successful people in the profession that I could relate to, connect with, and also, you know, were willing to teach me. And I was willing to be coachable at that point. And that's when I launched. So I did my first grand opening and got my first couple people enrolled as customers and distributors. And after that, I mean, I've just basically fallen in love with, you know, the passive residual side, but the team building and the growth side of this profession. So what are some things that not to do? So uh, <laughs> some, yeah, some things, more... some things not to do. Well, I mean, I think one of the cardinal rules is, you know, when you're new is typically what I see, what I did. And I tried to explain everything over the phone. And I found just Doing presentations over the phone is probably not the best way to approach, especially your contacts. It's, I, you know, I think you know the concept of say less, show more is that your friends and family know you for who you are. And for me, they knew me as a broke hip hop dancer and college student. So coming with them saying, hey, I got the greatest opportunity in the world, they were like, I don't know if that's accurate because my results were obviously didn't show that. So for me, explaining things over the phone and trying to regurgitate the presentation instead of pointing and directing people to the information, just realizing that I was really the messenger, not the message in the beginning was something that I'd say is really important. Also, getting your list down on paper and uh, really starting from that standpoint of going, okay, I'm going to go show this to each and every person that I can. The challenge that I experienced, like a lot of people, is either one of two sides. We either go into convincing or begging. And I, I found myself in both of those categories, trying to convince people that weren't interested or trying to beg people, you know, to join my business in the very beginning. And neither of those strategies work. And I'm sure you guys have heard it said before that amateurs convince and beg and professionals sort. And when I finally understood that uh, the game is a sorting game, for me, I started getting that uh, deck of cards was really the kind of type of business I wanted to build where there's 52 cards but four aces, and I'm searching for aces. So, how, uh, Great stuff, uh, especially about sorting. So how do you find, you know, uh, in the analogy of cards, right, you're sorting yeah. for aces, how do you never run out of prospects to always have new cards? Because in order to sort fast, you have a lot of contacts, right? So how do you add to your list? 
Yeah, well, I mean, today it, it's interesting because with social platforms and the technology that's here today, it's it's easier than ever, I believe, to be able to connect with people. And one of the things is like, I think it's easier to market today than ever before, but I think it's harder to market effectively just because I think a lot of people are just kind of throwing and blasting things out there. Today in social media, what it would have been 15 years ago with like mass email campaigns uh, where it's just you know spamming a lot of stuff that's out there. And our business model is really based on relationships and connecting with people and being able to any business really for that matter. Um, so if you're really leaning on the, re- uh, the relationship or leading with the relationship with the people that you meet. But for me, I think one of the most important things is networking on purpose is, you know, whether you're out and about, I learned, you know, kind of the whole three foot rule is kind of just saying hi and and meeting people, complimenting people when I was out and about. Um, Obviously, there's great networking groups and through social contacts you can meet. But quite frankly, where I've never ran out of contacts or prospects was that every person that I met was a window to another 100, 200, 500 people. And when you really get good at taprooting or digging, this is really where you're going to find the magic in your business because most people will be links to leaders. And generally speaking, you don't find diamonds on the surface. Gold isn't usually on the surface. It's it's in the mountain. It's in the ground. you got to dig for it. And in my first experience, I'll never forget, of finding what I would say my first leader uh, or somebody that really stepped up. I think, unfortunately, the word leader in this profession is used very loosely. Um, but one of the things that I realized was I was 19 had very little influence. My network was mainly young college kids and broke artists. So when I first got started, one of the first people I enrolled uh, was my best friend from high school. And she lived three hours north from LA where I was when I first joined. And she was 19, just like me. And this was a few months after I finally got things kicked off. And we did a launch event in her home and she invited the people. One of her friends that came was a mutual friend who was only 18, had no money to join. And so she ended up finding a way to borrow it, I believe, from her mom the next week. But uh, the next week, we did another event, a launch event, just meeting people, showing the product, showing the opportunity, sharing the story. And what ended up happening was the 18-year-old invited kids that were 17-year-old, 17 years old because they didn't, she didn't invite properly. She said, there's this house party. Come meet this guy. And they showed up literally half hammered. Like, I didn't even know you could get that drunk before you got to the party. But first of all, they're not sober and they're not even old enough to join the business. Uh, so I'm upset because it's my first time that I'm ever doing the presentation and I'm nervous. But one of the 17-year-old actually said, listen, I think I know someone that would be interested in doing this. How would I get them started? And I was like, well, you can't. You're not old enough. But the next week we did another one. And the 17-year-old brought her mom. And her mom was one of the top insurance salespeople in California. And she ended up getting started in the business and I'll never forget, this was a eye-opening experience for me because you know, she knew everybody and she signed up like everybody and their moms and she signed up companies and she signed up a bank with the services and I didn't even know that was possible and she drove a Mercedes and she owned a suit and had a projector and I'm just a 19, 20-year-old kid and that's when I realized that's the name of the game. Her name was Sandra and that's it, Fine Sandras. So that's what I kind of translated so much of my business to and you just never know, Simon, who's going to lead you to who? So it was an 18-year-old from high school led me to a broke 18-year-old that had no money to join that led me to a terrible in-home presentation with drunk 17-year-olds that led me to her mom. I mean, how do you plan that? You, you can't. And so that's why a lot of times you'll hear this, focus on the 
activities and the results will come. And I know that that doesn't, it's not a very clean plan because most people want to plan out their results. But I love what my friend Artemis says, logic will not be your friend on this journey a lot of the time. So you never know who's going to lead you to who. And I've got another dozen stories. The locations, the times, the people, and the names will change, but the stories will always remain the same from every leader I've met in this profession that most of the people that you'll introduce, you will find through someone in your business that will end up being your leaders in your organization. Great stuff. Thank you for sharing that. And it's so true. Like a lot of the, uh, also the people you think will be good, a lot of times not good. And the ones who are you least expecting and the prospects, right? I mean, that's the problem. People prejudge, uh, like you said, the 18-year-old, your friend, the high school friend that led to the 17-year-old. Most of your top leaders were people you least expected. That came from someone that, you know, Probably was not a good prospect, but you said it. So <laughs> the person is not the destination; it's the window to the destination. It's the doorway to the destination. For sure. Hey, what is your? This is my favorite question. What was your worst moment in network marketing? The point of like, uh, <laughs> you've one. been there for a while, and I love the story. Well, most people have quit, but you did it, and that's why you're the leader you are today. Um, great question. So, you know, I'd say you know my my most challenging moment inside of uh, my experience in this profession was. Uh, it actually was uh, about two, if I'm not mistaken, it was about two years in. So when I first joined, I just thought it wasn't going to work and then I got upset, but I didn't put a lot of effort into it. So there wasn't a lot to be angry with. Once I started building my first year, I, I mean, I was like, this is it. I'm going to be wealthy. I remember Ferrari shopping in my first week <laughs> and uh, going to do the tours through the Malibu mansions. And I was like, I'm going to be a millionaire by like 20. And uh, obviously I didn't understand a little on the delayed gratification. But at the same time, I had that zest and that yearning to be successful. And I had that hunger and that passion, and that drive. And that first year, it carried me through. And uh, I ended up hitting a position that made me about $3,000 a month after that first year. And that $3,000 a month uh, was a qualifying position uh, that you qualified for on a monthly basis. And I ended up remaining qualified monthly on that position for uh, just a year, like 11 months straight. And for me, it, it had a lot of recognition towards that position, which was exciting for me. And I got a chance to start kind of speaking in front of small groups and and that was something I enjoyed. And I love teaching. I love training. It's something I've always, I mean, I've been a teaching since I was 15, teaching dance classes. So, you know, when I get a chance to teach something and people get it, I really, I, I love that. So, but what happened was after a year, I ended up missing that monthly qualification and my income took a pretty big drop. So my income went from about $3,000 a month down to a, a few hundred dollars a month the next couple months. Now the challenge was, is I was making $3,000 a month, but I was spending about $3,000 a month. And I didn't have a, a good financial wall set up around. And I was young and I didn't have, uh, I wasn't probably paying attention to a lot of the coaching I was getting on what to do with my money. So what happened was I, I, I started going into debt. I ended up going in about 90 days, like almost 10,000 in debt. And at this point, I'd never had debt. And I remember it was demoralizing for me. And well, I call it rank depression. Like if you end up kind of falling from a rank and all of a sudden your whole identity gets wrapped up in what you did for the month as opposed to looking at your career or what's possible if you decide to go to work. And so what was interesting during that period of time for me was this is the time that I almost quit because I was like, look, I'm worse off a year later than I was when I first hit this position. Um, I feel like I've let people down. I remember feeling like maybe I'm not meant to do this. Maybe and I can't do this. And I remember going up on stage and speaking in front of groups and 
knowing that my bank account was going backwards and not even quite sure how I was going to pay for meals during the, that period of time when I was being looked to as a leader to follow. And I remember it was a, the, my darkest moments. And I said, look, you're always going to have those closet crying moments. The question is whether or not you're going to come back out and fight for what you believe in. You know, and the expression basically is like, you know, everyone wants the breakthroughs, but they don't want to go through the breakdowns. And it's like saying you want all the rainbows, but you don't want any rain. And so for me, I ended up getting a hold of some mentors that were very successful when I was on the verge of quitting and uh, got a chance to finally get in touch with some people that I'd never really spoke to. And what was interesting is they said, you know, well, Jess, what I want you to do is this is you got your your business is a revolving door. So if you're signing up all these people every month, but it's not progressing, it's not growing, that means you know, you're, they're going out as fast as they're coming in. And he said, just call everyone that left and ask them why and then fix the chokehold in your business. You got the, uh, a hole in the bottom of your mm. bucket. You need to close that. And he said, don't try to re-recruit them. Just find out why they left and fix that for all the new people. And I was like, well, there's a good concept. But I remember, uh, like, vividly. I'll never forget this conversation because I, I was like, listen, I know you tell everybody to do this. But seriously, I know there's a secret you're not telling me. Like, there's extra sauce that you're not telling me. And I remember because I was like, and I, I wanted to know so badly because it was such a dark time for me. And it was interesting uh, when I finally committed to a consistent system after that point, because prior to that, most of my business was really around me. I did all the presentations. I wasn't doing a lot of replication and a lot of duplication. I was just working my tail off. And when I finally started adopting some system-dependent habits, and creating more of a system-dependent organization, especially when it came to training. Um, that's when I went from almost a, about a year later from making a few hundred dollars a month, uh, not qualifying at this position to a six-figure income. I think it took me about 16 months from that conversation. Hmm. How come you didn't quit? Because like, you could be very, like, you know, very uh, mentally... Yeah. Um, you know, you're trying to teach people to be financially free, but you're going backwards. Say, yeah, like, you know, you could get a job and just get out of the hole. No, I, well, for me, that the, the, there, there is, there was no going back in a way, uh, just because I, um, you know, it's interesting when I think about it, Simon. I, I didn't have anything to go back to. My, I was going to go what, teach dance classes. I didn't have a college degree to fall back on or anything because I was just a dance teacher. Now, not just that I enjoyed it, but it wasn't fulfilling for me in terms of financially of where I wanted to end up and. It's kind of like once your mind has been expanded, it's really difficult to go back. And I knew that I was just not employment material. Um, so the question was, is what else was I going to do? And quite frankly, I'd already really fallen in love with the concept of team building. What happened was I just had lost belief in myself simply just because of maybe what, uh, uh, not even a bad month, but just a month where things didn't work out as well. And I was really being harsh and judging on myself on my capabilities during that period of time. And... I remember getting a chance to listen to some great audios and, uh, from a good friend of mine, Artemis, and, and she kind of summed up what I believe was really kind of what I took on as my motto during that period of time, which was, you know, looking forward, I didn't know if I could do it, but looking back, I was like, well, I'm, I'm not going back. So if, if you can't go back, then you must go forward. And if you must go forward, failure is not an option. Mm -hmm. And if failure is not an option, your success is inevitable. Like you'll eventually get there because I'd already found a Sandra. So when I realized that my game was just this as I had to get better at digging faster, creating more replications and finding my next Sandra. And interestingly enough, over the next two years, I found a couple of 
uh, Sandra's, you know, so different individuals, a uh, guy named Juan, guy named Hunter, and ended up becoming, you know, big leaders inside of my business and that were even better than me. Great stuff. Hey, um, how have you seen the profession change? I love asking this question because you've been around for a while, like 15, six years. Um, yeah. How have you seen that we're marketing change? Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. There's things I obviously love about this profession. There's things that I don't like about the profession. Um, and particularly for me, I think the overflashing check waving type of situation that I see a lot of companies go through um, or distributors go through. And like when I hear things like, oh, the product doesn't matter, I like it makes me cringe um, because at the end of the day, we're moving a product or a service into the marketplace. And granted, you know, it's not just about selling opportunity, in my opinion. I believe that that's why I'm here. Don't get me wrong, I'm an avid recruiter and team builder, but at the end of the day, if you don't have a loyal customer that's purchasing your product or service outside of the distributor base that doesn't care about winning a trip or proving their parents wrong or paying a car payment, they're really just there because they are a loving customer. They're a raving fan of your product or service. I think you're building your house on the sand right now. Now, what's happening, what I'm excited about is seeing the transition of what's happening over the last 10 years, especially with social media really coming into play. Networking has gone mainstream. Like, I remember 10 years ago, I know you know, like, we really had to defend, you know, network marketing, like, <laughs> as a, of even a viable business. And, and now, with so much social sharing, people are really kind of gravitating towards the concept and understanding the, the opportunities. But unfortunately, I think a lot of people are still looking for the shortcuts. They're looking for the easy ways to do the business or, the, oh, the, the new way versus the old way of doing the business. So one of the things that I'm really excited about is, is seeing the professionalism of, I think you're going to see the professional companies that are really there to deliver on the promise of the profession, which is delivering products or services at cheaper than people can get them through retail through a direct strategy. Uh, I think the companies that are basically building an incredible culture in their organization of growth and contribution and growth uh, are going to start to emerge as some of the big ones. And I think you're going to see a lot of companies that are not following a lot of those guidelines of putting that forward are going to start dissipating and you're going to see some get a lot stronger and then some end up falling off as we've seen over the last 10 years. Yeah, definitely. Do you see people more open to network marketing now than back because of more awareness and they're more open to op more open to listening? Yeah, I'm, I think you, it's kind of a catch 22 overall. I would say yes. Um, you know, I'd say overall, most people are open to kind of having a, you know, kind of side hustle. This whole conversation of, okay, I'm moving something on the side, selling something on the side, um, you know, whether it be even driving Uber or Lyft or something extra on the side, doesn't matter what it is, people are more open to it. And also, you know, with the technology changes, I think people are seeing that there are bigger opportunities here. And because many years ago, if, especially in the product categories inside of the profession, you know, it was, you had to inventory and you had to do a lot of those things. And a lot of that has been eliminated now in most companies, you know, because they, they drop ship today and because of the online purchasing and through websites has really streamlined a lot of the process that's made our job simpler uh, as marketers to go out there and, you know, build a distribution of customers that are purchasing your product. So I think it's been easier. However, there are a lot of people that had maybe a challenging experience or a negative experience. Um, and typically, most of the negative experiences don't come from a product. Some do, but most don't. Most of them, it's not even a comp plan issue. Uh, most of them, it's a false expectation. Hmm. You know, they were overpromised 
when they got started, oh yeah, just get started, it's easy, I'll do everything for you, or you know, hey, I'm gonna do this, and then they somebody doesn't fulfill on their commitments, and you know, I know I've been guilty of that over the time, where people I know could point to me and say, well, you know, I'm the reason why, because I said I would do this. So I think as a profession, if the as we as leaders of the profession can stand on our stages and stand on our platforms and on our social medias and you know not give false expectations to a, a newer person getting started of going yes it's going to be challenging yes it's going to take time yes there are some exceptions of people that go out there in their first few months and first few years and kill it but those are the exceptions they're not the rule you know, it's a tradition as a traditional business if you're going to put in 3 to 5 years and you build this over a period of time you can have a successful you know, distribution and a successful renewal income based on returning orders if you build this correctly and you build yourself correctly. And uh, it's going to be work, but it's going to be worth it. And I think if we can, you know, have that, I think uh, the whole conversation of, you know, building a network marketing business is hard. So it's going to work every day for a job. So choose your heart. Hmm. And I think the results on this side, obviously, are beneficial and outweigh everything I've ever seen in terms of the other side. But I think that's one of the things that's important for us now. What uh, What's one thing that excites you about network marketing now? Yeah, I mean, the for me, one of my favorite things is the the global aspect uh, because we live in such a global economy now, and with technology, the ability to be able to connect and build in international markets is one of the things that I'm really excited about. Just because I love traveling, I fell in love with travel at a very young age. And being able to travel when I was younger and teach, um, today I get to do it on a scale that I believe is bigger because I love teaching entrepreneurship. I love teaching people uh, you know, things that I learned over my years in personal growth and development and professional leadership skills. So I'm really excited about that side of it, uh, number one. But number two, I think the thing I'm probably most excited about is building a culture and a community of people that are committed to making a difference in the world where building a wealthy global community you know, inside an organization that it wants to get back. And even like our, our next events that I'm putting on, I'm excited because we have teen events. So for the teenagers to be able to come to and be able to learn the principles and lessons, because I know most people when they get in and they start learning, they go, man, I wish I would have heard this back in the day. I wish I would have heard this when I was younger. And, and I said, so why don't we put together programs to instill those philosophies into our, you know, our team's children at those ages. And mm. so contribution, giving back work for me, kind of the concept is the world is our playground and love is our legacy. And let's make sure that we play hard and work hard, but let's really make a difference. So those are some of the things I'm really excited about today. Awesome. Hey, you've been amazing. As we go towards the end of the show, some really quick questions to pick your brain and they can be sure. quick answers. Yep. Uh, first one is what is one of your favorite success quotes that motivates you? Gosh, favorite success quotes. Um, you know, I, for me, I'm going to go back to Artemis. She's, she got me with this one. She said, if you can't go back, you must go forward. If you must go forward, failure is not an option. And if failure is not an option, success is inevitable. That was one that just has, you know, kind of stayed by my side for many, many years. What is one habit that's helped you become successful? One habit. Um, if there was just, gosh, one, uh, I would say uh, goal setting. Um, goal setting is always setting the next goal, always setting the next bar of where it is you were shooting for. Anytime I was stuck in my business, it was pretty much just because I didn't have a future that was pulling me forward into being in the present moment. What's the best piece of advice that you ever received? Life is love and life is relationships. And if you don't nurture your relationships, 
then it's not a life worth living. Mm, I like that. Uh, what's your favorite prospecting tool? Say you have a qualified prospect. Do you send them a link to an online video? Do you do Zoom? Um, you definitely don't you know, try to uh, explain the business to them on the phone, right? But what right, would you, yeah. What would you don't use? Call them, don't call them on the phone. My, my, my favorite thing to do still to this day is to sit down. Um, so, and if, so if I'm sitting down is to go through a, basically a, a kind of a short presentation and let them have an opportunity to experience, uh, you know, our product. And that's, that's really my favorite. If I have as a fallback from that, um, then I would obviously, if they're long distance, I would do a, a, a zoom, um, where basically the same thing. And as a fallback to that, I would send them uh, a short video to pique their interest. Uh, so when you do meet with them, you show a video or do you actually go through a company slides or you put together? What do you do? Um, so I, uh, it's kind of a combination. So um, short video and uh, short company slides. Got it. Um, do you have a favorite online resource like a Dropbox or Evernote or favorite app on your phone that you could recommend? Um, I have uh, – we, well, we have an app that we use through our, through our company, which is obviously my favorite because – is able to track all your data. So that's the one that I use the most. It's the only place I share information to because it's all trackable in terms of when they watched, how much they watched, and it's a great follow-up system. That's, um, that's the one that I primarily use for my business purposes. What's one book you could recommend to MLMation? Uh, the Five Levels of Leadership, John C. Maxwell, I think is a, a great, great book. Fa- I mean, Failing Forward. Uh, there's, I mean, we could get into this all day long. My favorite book, though, is The Alchemist by Pablo Coelho even though it's uh, maybe not in the leadership division. But I think one of the most important things that you can study in our business is people and leadership. Yes, awesome. The alchemist. And here's the last question, the million-dollar question. You ready? I'm ready for it. Imagine you had to start all over again and you knew no one. So you're like an alien that went to another universe. But you had all your current knowledge, skills, and wisdom. What's the first thing you do or the first place you go to build an MLM business from scratch? If I was building an MLM business from scratch, one of the things that I would do um, is, well, one of the things is this, when you move to a new location, actually, I love moving. <laughs> and one of the reasons why is because you get to reinvent yourself. And the other thing is that nobody knows you other than for what you're about to talk to them about. So everybody's a new source of communication for you and a relationship that you get to build from, you know, the barista at the Starbucks that you go to, to the gym that you're going to be going to on a daily basis, to the grocery store, to where your kids are going to school, to parents, to PTA meetings, to, you know, all those different people. So for me, you know, I grew up in an era where you talk to people that you met and develop relationships to the waiter at the sushi restaurant that you love, um, to everywhere. So I would be networking and gathering contacts through that number one just because i like talking to people and meeting with people and it's something where i found my the, my most success through those categories off of that then the next thing that i would do is obviously i would be looking through the social aspects and social media is a places for me to be able to connect with like-minded people and maybe meet up groups or join groups and things like that and really quite frankly once i find one two or three or four people that are excited about partnering up with me i'm never going to run out of contacts because Everyone is a window to another hundred people, and I'm just going to keep taprooting that thing until I find my next Sandra. Awesome. Hey, um, as we wrap up, any last words or advice? And then what's the best way our listeners can connect or contact you? Yeah, uh, Facebook is great. Um, obviously, you know, um, YouTube channels, all that kind of stuff um, is one of the easiest ways to be able to communicate with me if there's anything I can do to support. So, uh, I guess the last piece of advice is never stop growing. Yeah, so uh, you're either growing or you're dying. There is no in-between. So read, 
listen, go to the event. Anytime I was stuck on a plateau, and you guys know every level is a different devil, and every opportunity that I got to get out of that, it was more so is because I went to a, a personal development course or a personal development event, or I had some kind of a breakthrough or aha moment from something that was a blind spot that I wasn't seeing because it's hard to experience those things if you're not in some kind of immersion of personal growth. So my recommendation is this is never be done. So there is no before and after. This is just the before I get even better. And that's one of the things I would say for you and for me. And my, my goal is to always be constantly growing and always be a student. And uh, thank you for having me on today, Simon. Hey, awesome. At every level, there's another devil. I love that. Hey, ML Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And today, you may hang out with Jesse McPherson. So keep up the momentum and go to mlnation.net and just type in Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at the search bar and all the show notes and nuggets of wisdom. Jesse's contact info will be right there. In order to be successful in network marketing and in life, you must help others. So, Jesse, thanks again for sharing your valuable time with ML Nation. We're grateful to you, and we appreciate you for having a positive impact on millions of distributors worldwide. Thank you so much again, and God bless you. Awesome. Take care. Hey, ML Nation, great show from Jesse McPherson. Make sure you connect with him. Just go to mlnation.net, type Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, on the search bar, and you'll find it. Good stuff here. Um, let me start off. He talks about what not to do, right? He, you know, first of all, he didn't have any success for a while. Uh, not what not to do is try to explain everything on the phone or in person. Say less and show more, right? Because when you're explaining, trying to sell things, most people know who you are, especially your close friends. So for him, like people knew he was like a broke college kid. So all of a sudden, he's trying to teach him about business, great opportunities. People don't, you know, don't listen to him. You remember, you are the messenger, not the message. Okay, and by the way, how did he even have this turning point was, hey, it's events, you know, it's almost like every breakthrough that every leader was at some type of event. He went to an event that he didn't want to go, but a sponsor kept on telling him to go, 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 go. Finally, August of 2002 at Long Beach Convention said he went and he heard this thing that the gentleman, he realized he was doing the business all wrong, right? And he, um, again, for him, Jesse didn't get, he sponsored one person. It took him five months to get the first person. Okay, so just hang in there, and this is a journey. As long as you're growing, you're growing, and I love it when he ended. Every level is a different. Every level is a different devil, right? You got to keep growing, and you're never done. You got to keep going, and you know he shared by even when he was making three thousand, the next breakthrough he was making three thousand a month, and then went to a couple hundred. But you know when you are so far, you can't look back. All you have to do is go for it, and lazy, you know, and quitting is not an option, right? And at that level, he reinvented himself. He could have quit, but he realized he needed systems. And then right after that, he hit a six-figure, you know, he hit a six-figure year right after that. And it's always a great saying, the temptation to quit is greatest when success is right around the corner. You know, Jesse was stuck, 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 and then boom, he finally got it. And uh, But if he had quit, he would never be where he is. Just remember, that's actually my favorite quote, the temptation to quit is... Is greatest when success is right around the corner. It's a great example, Jesse, when he was struggling, when he was kind of financial debt and stuff because he was spending too much money and the income in MLM dropped. Um, going back to recruiting, this business is about sorting. It's not about convincing or begging, right? It's looking for the aces in the deck of cards. The rest of the cards are no good. You're just looking for the aces and you keep going. And the way you never run out of prospects is just build relationships, right? Say hi, comment, compliment, networking for purpose, and the... Here's the golden nugget, and this is something I found out that most people ignore and forget, is that 
the every person is not the destination. The person is the window, the doorway to the destination. So he gave a great story about this 18-year-old, this person, uh, 18-year-old girl that was not a good prospect, but knew a couple of 17-year-olds. And the 17-year-olds ended up being like everyone's drunk, going to the meeting, all drunk. But there's one 17-year-old there that say, uh, you know, I'm not interested, but I know someone that may be interested. And that turned out to be that, that person's mom. And that mom became a superstar leader for Jesse. You know, there's so many examples. When he said that, I thought about the leaders in my business were like, they were not someone that I recruited. It was, it was like a friend of a friend or a friend of a friend of a friend. Or like even my war market, they were like the lukewarm, like the acquaintances. My close friends, yeah, they joined, but they never did much. Right? A couple of most of my close friends, they joined just to support me. They became customers, but they never did much. But the ones who were like I didn't know well, they became my superstars. So that's why you got to build deep and build deep because even if you bring in a new distributor that person may not be good but they definitely always know someone is good and you got to get to them before they quit right and you know there's a great saying that jesse shared everyone wants the breakthroughs but not the breakdowns your ml nation you got to be able to willing to take the breakdowns in order to get a breakthrough remember the temptation to quit is greatest when success is right around the corner and he repeated this uh this line a few times, this quote by Artemis Limpert, and we you know we're going to get Artemis on the show, and it's like, if you can't go back, you must go forward, right? If you can't go back, you have to go forward, and you know, once you, if you can sponsor one person, you know you can sponsor another, like with Jesse, his stuff talk, he found a Sandra, the superstar, he can find another one, and another one, and another one, right? If you can find one, if you do it once, if you get, you can get one customer, you can get another. Just keep going. And the last thing is, you know, treat this business like a profession. Treat it with respect. Don't overpromise people flashing big checks and stuff. That's not what we're about. But, um, and I like, and thank you, uh, Jesse, for sharing that. Hey, if you like the show, definitely connect with Jesse. Definitely please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. We appreciate it. And go out there, make it happen. There's so many good nuggets out there. Remember, don't overpromise. Be the messenger, not the message. And don't overtalk and use your tools. Hey, good stuff. And again, of course, tap the uh, building deep. Every person is not the destination, it's the doorway to the destination. If you have that approach, think long term, you'll definitely be able to be rocking in this business. So, ML Nation, go out there and make it happen. Thank you. I'm Simon Chan. I'm loud and proud in this profession. Thank you for listening. And remember, we're in the profession to help others. So, go out there and have a positive impact on someone's life today. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us today on MLM Nation. Head over to MLMNation.net for full recaps of every show, our training articles, and helpful resources. Your MLM success is waiting for you. So prepare to take off.